0: The world is done with Easter, but we have it for six more weeks. Still, doesn't today's service seem rather anticlimactic? I mean, what can I say that I didn't say last Sunday? You heard about the resurrection and that Jesus lives? Looks like our attendance this morning bears the marks of back to normal. You know, we were so glad to see So many here on Easter, new faces and those we hadn't seen in a long time. But now, how many are interested in round two? Now it's you and me as usual. And I'm not complaining. I like you. (laughs) I love you all. But in light of this, I thought I would do the unusual today. And jump off the lectionary gospel reading, which is the one about doubting Thomas I don't feel like preaching on that again, maybe next year. What I want to do is continue in the Gospel of Mark after Jesus' resurrection, because the three-year lectionary doesn't have Mark chapter 16, verses nine to 20 in it anywhere. You can go to a Catholic, Lutheran or Episcopal Church every Sunday for three years, and you're not going to hear Mark 16:9 through 20. I believe this is because some of the earliest Greek manuscripts of Mark end where the women come back from seeing Jesus' tomb empty and say nothing about it. So it's possible that you know, the ecumenical council that put together our lectionary years ago may have considered this extended ending of Mark controversial, debatable. So they left it out. What a shame though. Mark 16, 9-20, Well, we're only going to verse 18 today, is a very brisk, brief account of Jesus after his resurrection. Its style is characteristic of the whole gospel of Mark. So there's no reason to doubt that it was included in Mark's original scroll. I can tell you in the Greek, <clears throat> it's lively, it's sprightly. I mean, it's like the words just jump right off the page. And I want to bring some of that to you today. So I've done my own translation. So here we go. We'll start again with uh, verse. Uh, start with starting with verse nine. And rising early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Maria, the Magdalene Maria, from whom he had thrown out seven demons. See, Jesus is an early riser. When he comes back from the dead, he isn't going to wait around till noon or the evening he has things to do places to go people to see and the first person he sees is Mary Magdalene I like Maria Mar Maria that's the Greek way of saying her name and besides my sons are gonna be in West Side Story in a couple of weeks at the high school man if there was ever a person who experienced kingdom of God firsthand it was this Maria the Magdalene. Can you imagine Jesus throwing out even one demon from your mind, your body? What would that even feel like? Martin Luther talks about our baptism in this way that we were once under the control of the devil, and the Holy Spirit threw whatever demon that was possessing us out when the words were spoken and the water was applied. We were brought out of darkness into the kingdom of God then. Well, let's see what the both of them do next. Going, she reported to those who had been with him. They were mourning and weeping, you know. And those hearing that he lives and was seen by her didn't believe it. Just let that sink in for a little while longer. They didn't believe it. And after these things happened, he was manifested. Now, you know, this is a, uh, appeared, right? You know, I don't know if it's just like shows up out of nothing or, or it just appeared. But he manifested in a different form to two of them walking, going into the country. I searched some commentaries about this another form Jesus took on, but uh, they all say the same thing. These unnamed disciples were kept from recognizing Jesus. Well, I mean, how? What did he look like? I don't know about you, but I'm a little uncomfortable with Jesus taking on different forms. He's Jesus, he's supposed to be unchanging. He is who he is, he's human, so he shouldn't be changing to look like someone else. But like many other details in scripture, we're going to have to be satisfied the way it is for now. The bottom line is, he didn't allow himself to be recognized by these two men. In the same manner, perhaps, as when Mary didn't recognize him uh, at first outside the tomb. But that's from another uh, God, uh, disciple's account. We're going to Let's stick with Mark and going these two disbelievers reported to the rest and neither those men believed. There's a double dose of unbelief going on here. Some of the early early church fathers have said that this disbelief may have been so persistent so that the very, at the very last we might consistently maintain that Jesus appeared to the to the disciples and was none other than the Christ who was foretold by the prophets. Now how many of us today really do that in our everyday life? To how many people at your workplace or your school do you consistently maintain that Jesus is the Christ and he lives because he appeared? It seems like Christians are having arguments with disbelievers over things like creation versus evolution, sexuality, social justice and those kinds of things. What about the fact that He lives and that He was seen and is still active in people's lives today? Anybody advocating for that? We should. We should be. Those other things are important. But if people are going to choose not to believe in Christ, then shouldn't it just be because he or she doesn't believe the eyewitnesses to His appearing? You know, they don't believe Mary, they don't believe Mark. Keep it simple, and you've got a simple argument. Jesus lives because people saw him and believed. I know it sounds simplistic, and life is more complicated when you're dealing with doubters and naysayers. Nevertheless, text me. There you go. Text me what people are saying to you about concerning Jesus you know I'd like to know I don't get out much you know and most people I talk with are Christians they're you (laughs) I read a lot about what the world says about Jesus but I want to hear it from you what are people saying so text me and later he was manifested to the eleven disciples as they were reclining at the table and he reproached their disbelief and their hardness of heart because the others who, looking at him, having been raised, they didn't believe. Picture this. Jesus is standing in front of these guys and they're not believing it. Either saying, I can't believe it, or, you know, Jesus perceives it in their hearts. Picture Jesus now reproaching all this, which means any of these things. He expressed a poor opinion of their disbelief he objected to it, he found it unacceptable, he took exception to it, he frowned on it, he was displeased, he detested, he deplored, he despised, he criticized, he condemned, he rebuked, he disparaged, he reprimanded, he admonished their disbelief and my favorite which I think may be the closest to the original meaning, he took a dim view of their disbelieving. I love it when Jesus shows his humanity in this way, don't you? I mean, he really comes to life here. We get more of him like this in Mark. He's not always calm, and he's not always encouraging. We can relate because we've done it too. We've experienced disappointment with others and taken a dim view of their behavior and actions. And he said to them, going to the world, y'all proclaim the gospel to all the creation. The ones believing and being baptized will be saved, but the ones disbelieving will be condemned. And for the ones believing, these signs will follow in my name. They'll throw out demons, they will speak with new tongues, They'll take snakes, and if they drink anything deadly, by no means will it hurt them. On the sick ones, they'll place their hands, and they'll recover. This is where we stop today, because the next verse goes right to the ascension, and we're not there yet. And these freaky signs, like picking up snakes, you know, this is more of that kingdom of God stuff, coming and doing things and shaking the world up. We'll save more of that later for when we look at Acts. But what we've just heard is more of Easter, my friends. I love this time of year because we get to hear more about Jesus' brief yet amazing time after he came out of the tomb. That's it for Mark, though. Next, Next Sunday, we'll have to look at one of the other Gospels for another reading. But this is a great time of the year to emphasize among ourselves and with those whom we encounter that Jesus lives. Absolutely, we confess that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, but he's also here and now active in people's lives. We're not deists, you know. God's not far away watching us from a distance like that Bette Midler song from the 90s used to go. I hate that song. If you really knew him, Bette, he wouldn't seem so far away. He's here among us, continually giving us hope in eternal life. The Spirit creates faith in people's hearts. And that's not something which happens from far away, from a distance. Man, you can't get any closer to God than Him establishing residency in your heart. Jesus lives. And it's such a a positive message in in a time right now that's so full of Negative ones? There's more Easter to come these next several weeks. He can show us more just how alive and active he is in the world and in your life and mine. So stick with it. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.